the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Podcast on Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I am your host, Nick DeGilio. Hello. How is everybody doing this fine day? Yes, it's the Nick D Podcast, and uh, we are happy to be here. It is episode number 60, the big 6-0. Uh, so thrilled about that. And uh, I want to thank the guys at Radio Misfits, Ed and everybody uh, who help out, and everybody who's part of the Misfits uh, family. Uh, you go to RadioMisfits.com, not only can you get the Nick D podcast, but you can get tons of other amazing and fun and entertaining and awesome and varied podcasts, so make sure you check it out. Always uh, rate and review us on every platform. Take the time. Rate, review us, give us feedback, tell us what you think. Uh, we love our subscribers, we love our listeners, and we love to hear from them. So uh, leave us any kind of uh, feedback or message that you want. Voicemail, 773-417-6948. That's for the Nick D Podcast. Please leave your voicemail message there, 773-417-6948. Or drop us an email anytime you want, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. And you can be a sponsor, too. You can uh, take an ad out, do some advertising with us. Lots and lots and lots of people listen to this podcast. You'll reach a bunch. So please contact us if you're interested in being a sponsor or taking out some advertising with us. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. Say, I would like to advertise on the Nick D podcast. We'll get back to you, and we can work all that out. So uh, that's how you can become part of it. My thanks to Jason Skaggs, who lives down in Houston and is incredibly talented and does all the music and the themes for uh, the podcast. Coming up, it's our good friend Dan Feinberg. Uh, he is back for his regular bi-weekly visit, and uh, Dan will be joining us. He is a TV uh, writer, TV critic for The Hollywood Reporter. He has a website, a blog, and, uh, and all kinds of great stuff under the name of The Fine Print, F-I-E-N, The Fine Print. We're going to talk all TV, all kinds of things coming up with Dan Feinberg. And my partner, Esmeralda Leon, is going to join me as she does on every uh, episode. And we're going to talk about, um, uh, we're going to talk about Flashback Weekend, uh, which just ended. Um, I, it's, I'm still unwinding from it. We'll tell you all about that. Uh, Esmeralda and I hosted the very first live edition of this very podcast, the live Nick D podcast at the Flashback Convention. We'll give you all the details on that. It went swimmingly well, and we'll give you all the details and all of that stuff. And if you went to it, uh, we thank you, and we'll give you more information about that uh, coming up. We're also going to continue talking about the worst TV shows. We keep getting, uh, but the, this uh, Stacker is this website that put together a list of, of 100 of the worst TV shows of all time. So we're going to talk about some bad TV, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, 10,000 10, other things too. And it is a Tuesday. It's the first, uh, it, first, well, every Tuesday. My dad comes in and tells a joke. Dick, Nick DeGilio, who is my dad, He'll be 81 in just a couple of weeks, still working at the Jewels. He loves to tell jokes. He's been doing so his whole life, and he's been doing, doing it with me. 
on my show uh, for many years and now on the podcast. So Nick's dad tells a joke, a favorite among all listeners and subscribers and all that cool stuff. So my dad's going to come by, ring the bell, and uh, hit us with a joke, as he often does. Well, not often, every Tuesday. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. So uh, really quickly, I got a really nice uh, email from someone who was at uh, Flashback um, Weekend, which, again, we will tell you all about when Esmeralda uh, jumps in here. And, um, I, but I do want to mention this. This is a, a, a subscriber, a listener, someone who's been around for a while, been listening to me for years uh, and years, back when I was with the car wash, which is now currently uh, the, uh, the WGN, which is now, it may as well be a car wash. It's certainly not a radio station anymore. And it says, Nick D., congratulations on your successful participation in the Flashback Weekend. You were truly in your glory. This was your personal Super Bowl, World Series, and Stanley Cup all rolled into one event. You proved that you can crawl out of that hole that that car wash put you in and come out as a champion. Speaking for all your fans and listeners, we are happy for you and proud of you. Signed, longtime listener, Alfredo Dark. And in parentheses, it says, not my real name. Damn it. I wish his real name was Alfredo de Dark. All right. Uh, Alfredo, thank you, <laughs> sir. I do have his real name, but I won't. It says it on his, on his email return address, but I'm not going to give it away because he wants to be known as Alfredo de Dark. So, Alfredo, thank you very much. It means a lot to me. Uh, and it was a big deal to be back at Flashback uh, this past weekend. Um, it was amazing uh, to be out among, as we call them, as I call them at least, um, the tribe. Um, my my uh, my fellow flashback denizens, uh, and to be back there after missing last year, to be back there, you know now, uh, you know working with Steve Cochran on on his WLS show as a, as the movie critic there, and uh, you know having my own podcast, um, to be back there in that regard, and to be back among the tribe, and to be able to like uh, meet so many great celebrities and have so much fun. And, uh, you know, it's, I'm in my element when I'm at Flashback Weekend, um, and we'll talk more about that in detail, but, and, and hosting that podcast with Esmeralda at my side, and then all the surprises that happened during it, and all that stuff. Um, I could feel the support in that room, and the room was packed, I have to say. We had a lot of people uh, out there for uh, the live uh, podcast recording. Um, and it felt great. And I was just, I was having a great time and it felt like I, and that was, it was officially sort of like, and I felt like it was official. I felt like, okay, now I'm back here. I think I'm back like, you know, a hundred percent, um, after a couple of years of chaos and nonsense that all began with a three minute phone call, um, uh, uh, September 4th, 2020 telling me that I was no longer required, um, at this radio station that I worked for for 35 years. Yes. A three minute phone call. Ah, firing me on uh, the anniversary of Roy Leonard's death. That's how unbelievably ridiculous the people who run that station are. But anyway, fuck them. I'm back. And and I was back in full force uh, this weekend at Flashback, uh, at the Flashback convention. So anyway, um, all right, we will get into more detail about that um, and, and some great Flashback memories. It was Esmeralda's first time there, and we'll talk about that and much more. Terrible TV and great TV because, of course, our good friend uh, Dan Feinberg is about to join us after I tell you that you should have congratulations given hefted upon you big time. I, that, was a re- that was a very Norm Crosby-like sentence. Anyway, congratulations. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D Podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh, 
yeah, don't be a jackal. It is. It's the theme song for our buddy Dan Feinberg, who is a great TV writer, great TV critic, writes for The Hollywood Reporter, and of course you can check him out at thefineprint.com, F-I-E-N, and he joins us uh, usually every other week to talk TV, and we say hello to Dan. Hi, Dan. What up, Nick? How are you, buddy? Plugging away the TV, it does not slow. It does not. Uh, you, our next scheduled visit, you will actually be on vacation. Oh my God, you're taking a vacation, Dan. How dare you? <sighs> Trust me, this is uh, this is a three year delayed family vacation for my parents' 50th anniversary. So it was supposed to be summer of 2020. Then it was supposed to be summer of 2021. So let's just knock on wood that it actually (laughs) happens. Okay. Well, in in our next visit, you will not be with us because you'll be on vacation. And the next time that we talk will be after, it will be the week after Labor Day. I am going to be so recharged. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be nuts. And also, the at, by that point, because we'll be back in the, the next one that we talk with you will be September 13th. It'll be uh, a few, well, almost a, it'll be a full month, uh, over a full month the next time we talk. No. Yes? No. Yeah. Well, I thought we were doing the 29th. Are we oh, we are doing, doing the 20th. What the oh. hell is wrong with me? Yes, we are doing it. <laughs> We are, so it'll be the 30th. The next time we talk will be the 30th. But then, uh, yeah, so, okay, so we're just missing the regular one, so we're, we're moving you up a little bit. What the hell's wrong with me? Yes, okay, so the 30th will be the next time. All right, just negate everything I just said. Forget it. Hi, how are you? <laughs> what up? I'm still a little tired. I spent the whole weekend at a, at a, at a horror convention um, on my feet from Thursday night through Sunday evening, um, hosting Q&As and running around and, you know, hanging out with celebrities and in vendor rooms and people in cosplay. It was a, it, it's very hard to readjust, and you know this. You've gone to these conventions before. I mean, although, although the conventions that you, that you attend, are there a lot of cosplay, crazy-ass stuff going on that you go to? Well, I mean, I've, def- I've definitely done Comic-Con enough times, so there's, there's definitely that. But the, the only convention I've done, and we talked about it, was the Austin Television Festival, and definitely no one does cosplay for that. But it was similarly four days of, of exhaustion and, and chaos, and, you know, you spend enough time basically locked up in your apartment or quarantining or isolating or whatever and any amount of crowding is a lot i'm very glad i didn't go to comic-con this year and probably probably anything larger than atx tv festival is more than i'm up for at this moment this was pretty large this was a lot of people um but it's good it's good that things are returning to normal i mean i had a i had a blast (laughs) and i feel good so far i'm okay knock wood and uh you know um, almost everybody was, I mean, there were, there were a portion of people that were masked, uh, but almost, you know, most of the, the majority of the people were not masked and none of the celebrities were, <laughs> and, and, you know, and, uh, there was, you know, hugging people for, for, you know, for selfies and pictures and stuff. So it seemed, you know, the world might be a little bit back to normal, maybe a little too soon. I don't know. We'll see. It's the, we'll it's see. the celebrities not masking that I honestly find a little bit more perplexing than anything else. And, and also the fact that, that there were no mask mandates of any kind. I mean, you know, the ATX TV Festival didn't have mask mandates, but that was Texas. But uh, but 
Comic-Con in San Diego, masks were required. So Yeah, you know. we, it was not. At, the, huh. at this convention, it was not. And um, some people wore them, obviously. And a few people, like Alex Winter did wear his when he was walking from place to place. But when he was at his table, he had the mask off. Um, but, and that is because, as anyone knows from following Alex Winter on on Twitter, he is a right-minded, and by right-minded, I mean left-minded person. Yeah. So he is a fabulous. Surprising. I've never met him. He's a fabulous dude. Um, have you Have you met Alex Winter? I have. I have not. I you know. But on the other hand, seeing the direction that his career has taken, especially in recent years, it is yeah. no surprise that the guy has his head properly on his shoulders. Absolutely. I had him on the podcast a couple of weeks ago to plug his you know his appearance at the convention. Uh, it was a great, great segment. Really great interview. Lots of fun, and um, he's just—he was thrilled that I that I spent a good portion of our interview talking about the idiot box. He was fabulously <laughs> thrilled uh, by that, um, which was this insane TV show that he did, a sketch comedy show he did for uh, for MTV, which eventually kind of turned into the movie Freaked, which I adore. So anyway, but anyway, he's a fabulous dude, and he was the only one celebrity that was wearing a mask walking from place to place. He was the only one. Which, yeah. <sighs> I just given the number of people who, if you're talented in an event like this, who are coming up to you and you don't know who they are, you don't know where they've been, you don't know how, what precautions they've been taken, and yet they want to squeeze all close for photographs, or they want to shake your hand and you don't know where their hands have been, I would be, I would be bathing in Purell if yeah. I were a, a talented event like this. He was, yeah, there were there was Purell everywhere. I don't know, but anyway, but it was it was it felt normal as as normal as you can get, and every once in a while I'd be like. Wow, man, there's no masks on it. You know what I mean? Every once in a while it would creep in because, for the most part, I'm so used to doing this every I've done it for 20 years. You know, I missed last year, but I've done it for 20 years. And uh, getting back into that groove, you know, it's, it just felt like normal. And then every once in a while I'd see somebody in a mask and I'm like, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'd see somebody <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. We probably should be wearing one. So, but it was fun. I will say that. And I did a live uh, episode of my podcast and it went spectacularly well. Um, we had a huge crowd in the room. Um, Esmeralda, my partner, and I were up there. PJ Souls from Halloween came up, and uh, John Michael Graham from Halloween. They played Bob and Linda in the movie, um, and they were fabulous. And so it was great. PJ Souls, I could identify because she sort of played a similar role slash capacity in about a dozen movies from yeah. around this at the same time. I could not have recognized her male co-star from Halloween. Oh no, no, no! He's years. only he's only done one movie. You know what he's done after that? He worked for 30 years uh, as an actor slash performer slash writer at Disney World in Orlando and did a career there. And, hey. and, the, and he said the reason why, he was sick of auditioning and not getting anything. So he got the gig in Orlando and he got to act, he got to write on a stage get paid and that was fine with him and i'm like god bless you man that's that's there cool. are also there are just so many different ways of doing this and any way that you have a career where you're doing something kind of like what you love and it allows you to keep your head and to yeah. have a little bit of fun and to yeah. make a little bit of money good for yeah. him i yeah. yeah all praise and and he just started doing you know his husband had to talk him into doing um these things you know because <laughs> he, he didn't want to really do it. he's like nobody's going to show up nobody cares and he's gone. This I think is like his fourth con, and he's like many people who have maybe had like a, a small role in a horror movie or or a film, a genre film. They're stunned at the amount of people who will show up and want to meet them and get their autograph. And you know, they're like, "Wow, okay, I didn't know this was really." I think you know, like I'm the guy who got stabbed and stuck on the wall in Halloween, and that's kind of the only movie I ever did. And then there's like a hundred people lining up to get my autograph. So it's kind of it's kind of interesting, and, and it opens your eyes a little bit. And also, these conventions can be hella lucrative for the people doing them. I mean, yeah. so 
if you know, I, I can understand why you might be I, reticent for a little bit to do it, and then yeah. you go, okay, yeah, there's value to this. Well, listen, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go into how much money um, in three days that Robert England made at this thing, but my oh, God. God, I mean. <laughs> okay, well, let's not get into it. But yeah, he did well. He did as he does. He's this is like I think his ninth time at Flashback, the convention that I that I do, and uh, his line is always massively long. People wait for hours, and it's it, it's a pretty big fee to get an autograph and a picture with. Uh, anyway, he does well. That's all I'm saying. He, he does, he, and and he, also he keeps you know he keeps being introduced to new generations. So now there are a bunch of kids who know him from Stranger Things. For that's, heaven's sake! So that's the great. thing, Dan. That's the thing, Dan. Uh, that was huge this this time. Uh, and I had kind of forgotten about it because I kind of just don't care about Stranger Things. And um and you know every year you get kids coming in dressed up like Freddy because their parents and their parents show you the you know nightmare movies and all that stuff. And he's been in a ton of other stuff, obviously. But there was a large faction of, of, of Stranger Things people there and because that's the zeitgeist right now. And I kind of forgot about that until I saw the first day's line. And I went, oh, yeah, <laughs> he's back in the zeitgeist because of Stranger Things. And that made his line even longer, and it made it even more profitable for him this week. No, at, at so. conventions like this, people like him are legitimate gods and, oh, yeah. deserve, and deserve to be. So Absolutely. Awesome. And he's a... And I'll tell you something, backstage, just like hanging out with him and eating with him when he's on break and stuff like that. He's a, he's a, he's a genuinely cool dude, so it's, it's good. It's good. And he's nice. really good with the fans. He'll take his time, even though they wait a long time, and he knows that. And he's good with them. He's a good dude. He's a good dude. Okay, anyway, so I'm still tired, Dan. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, listen, you know, the last time we spoke, if I'm not mistaken, we had uh, two major celebrity deaths in David Warner and, Robert, and Paul Servino. And just a few hours ago, uh, it's all over the internet, man. Olivia Newton-John, 73 years old. Now, we know that she had battled cancer for many years, was diagnosed with breast cancer, I want to say, in the 90s. Um, it was it was a 30-year... Th- yeah, late 80s then she was probably yeah. diagnosed, yeah. Um, and uh, Olivia Newton-John, we're, you know, I mean, we could talk about her all day. Your personal, you know, story connection, your, you know, your, your fandom stories about Olivia Newton-John? Just that when I, I mean, I was a child of the 80s. And so if you were a child of the 80s, they, there was nobody hotter than Olivia Newton-John. I mean, that, that physical video, et cetera, we're, yeah. we're talking about sort of formative things. So I was in love with Olivia Newton-John and, and who... Who of roughly my age was not, and I yeah. think probably if you if you go back, she would have certainly been one, you know, like her and Kelly McGillis, and then Danica McKellar from the Wonder Years. These are these are sort of different generational people, but these are absolutely of in my youth among my very first and very biggest crushes, yeah. and she was. And, and everybody only said wonderful things about her, and she just had the that radiant energy and that smile that carried from Greece on. And yeah, just just so very sad. Yeah, I I was I was thirteen when Greece came out in uh, the summer of uh, seventy eight. So you know, you thirteen year old boy, you see Olivia Newton John, especially you know you know, when she has to dress up like a slut in order to win the guy over at the end of the movie. Uh, no, sorry. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you, you're like, wow, 13-year-old boy. I'm like, wow, Olivia Newton-John. And I had heard of her. Um, but I, you know, like, she was just like sort of a borderline country star when I was younger um, and did some pop songs, but was like kind of border. And I never really liked her music very much. And then, of course, in Greece, everybody was like, wow, look at her. She's great. And she was fun in the movie and everything. 
Um, I did not fall as hard for her as a lot of my friends did because I was on the Jamie Lee Curtis bandwagon. So, uh, <laughs> so that's where my love was, was going. But I really liked her a lot, and I found her charming and great. And, and I loved her. You know, I thought she was great in, in Greece, and I liked her in other movies and things and TV shows. And I remember her hosting SNL during the week, during the, I think it was the 82 season, because the cold open was her, if I remember correctly, it was her and Robin Duke. And Robin Duke, yeah, that's right. It was the Robin Duke era. Let me just say that. It was the Robin Duke era, era indeed. <laughs> and the cold open involved her as like a ha- like Robin Duke as like a has-been pop star who knew Olivia Newton-John before she became famous, and Olivia Newton-John as herself. And uh, it's Robin Duke screaming at her and then saying, hey, you remember me? You don't remember me? And I just, I, why do I remember this sketch? I don't know. In detail, from, you remember this yeah, sketch. Yeah, I just was. It's part of my SNL geekiness, but also I don't know why I really remember. But I remember her episode of SNL in that really dark. I mean, it was it was the the only good thing on this show is Eddie Murphy era. That was that era, and I remember actually she really. I, I remember her being surprisingly uh, really really funny in in live sketch comedy. I remember when it, even you know as a teenager watching that, I was like, wow, she's really funny. So. But, and, uh, of, and of course, she did. She did so much good advocacy work over the years. She she was ob- always out front and and center on environmental causes, animal rights causes. She she did a lot of good work. She, she did. did a lot of good work for the world. So. She did, no question about it. And uh, you know, uh, so many people. I mean, it's the, the gay community is mourning big time. Uh, because of uh, because of this passing, uh, uh, especially because of stuff like Xanadu and and you know uh, and and things like that and and I my my favorite of that era my favorite song of that era is Magic. I love that song. I adore that song, and that's the one that I posted on my, the video that I posted on my Facebook page. Um, but yeah, and and um, it's really sad because nobody didn't. I, she's one of those celebrities that nobody nobody disliked. Who, who anybody well, I don't like Olivia Newton-John who the hell nobody I don't think anybody's ever said that sentence I don't like Olivia Newton-John that makes no you know nobody ever said it she just did she built so much of her early career around approachability and so there was just so much affection and girl next door love for her and yeah. it carried over not just to the characters and in, in the hits that she had but really just to the idea of Olivia Newton-John and so and and yeah. it is it is interesting to go through social media because the death was announced uh, a few hours a few hours ago and to see it explode on social media it's, it is interesting to see um, how many people I mean my feed is full of people talking about how much they love to live in Newton John and that they miss her and that she's awesome and uh, the impact that she had um, was even more massive than I guess I assumed um, so. You know, for for a generation or a generation and a half or whatever, you know, there, there's an age range. I don't necessarily, and even the honestly, even the kids, the kids, you know, the kids, <laughs> the even kids, the yeah. kid, even the kids still love Greece. Like like Greece still yeah. plays. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, she was great. Olivia Newton John. Very sad that she passed. She was 73 after battling cancer for uh, over 30 years. So. Uh, uh, and starting the show on a sad note. So let's, let's move on, shall we? Let's move to something good, or at least something I'm looking forward to. I have not had time uh, to watch a lot of stuff. I had to catch up on things. I caught up on, um, well, I caught up on my wrestling, but I also caught up on Big Brother. Um, and I got to tell you, uh, Dan, I'm enjoying the season now. <sighs> Nick, uh, you're, not talking, you're not talking me into catching up on this one. <laughs> um, because they're kicking out all the, they're kicking out all the assholes. Uh, all the people that, 
you know, the beginning of the season, all the people that were being really mean and real jerky, they're getting they're getting booted and blindsided every week. And it's fantastic. The, it's like this group of people got together and they formed an alliance of nice people. And the nice people are are backstabbing and getting the people out. And like shocking, like two weeks in a row, Dan, two weeks in a row, two of the biggest blindsides ever in, in Big Brother history happened. And it was so satisfying to watch the assholes get booted. <laughs> Seriously. It's like, and the next guy that's up on the block... Um, he'll probably get booted on Thursday. He is the, he's the final member of the people that treated Taylor horribly. They have been going every week. They've been getting them out. So it's, uh, they're cleaning house. All the, all the people that, you know, how it started out in that, in that in horribly uncomfortable treating Taylor horribly, all those people, one by one, are blindsided shockingly, and they're all, what? They get booted, and they still, when they walk out to Julie Chen, they're like, I don't know what just happened. That's happened now like three weeks in a row. It's been very satisfying. I am going to take your word for that, sir. <laughs> I anyway, truly believe you. <laughs> I have not had time to jump into anything new. I've just been catching up over the past you know, few hours, basically. Um, but Beavis and Butthead, uh, the new season has begun. The new series has begun on Paramount+. Plus. And I have not been able to jump into it. Um, you did write about it. Tell me about the new Beavis and Butthead and, and what a gift to the world it must be. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, did you, did you watch Beavis and Butthead do the universe? Oh, yes. Twice. Yes. Twice. Okay. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I'm all over it. I know. Listen, uh, um, it's, it's not great. I was just, it was just wonderful to see them again. But I will say this. I watched it twice, if only for the whole white privilege uh, thing, which is, uh, that's gold. That'll oh, last. that was my God. That was absolutely that was absolutely yeah. the best part of it. No, um, quite, no question. <laughs> what what I'll say is that the new season, and I've only seen two episodes so far. Okay. Uh, it really doesn't go down that alley, that lane, go that direction as much as I kind of hoped that it would. I really mm-hmm. liked the way that the movie did a very good job of kind of situating Beavis yeah. and Head mindset and showing how it would play in twenty twenty two. Yeah, for the most part, the series just kind of accepts. Okay. This is just Beavis and Butthead in 2022, and we don't need to deal with the culture clash from the Beavis and Butthead we used to know, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Uh, but it's still it's still good, and it's still very funny. Um, and the movie obviously did not feature Beavis and Butthead as couch commentators, which is one of their most successful and most beloved personas, is sitting yeah. kind of mocking music videos and all of that. Yeah. And it, it wasn't what the movie was, but it is what the series is, and it's good to watch them catching up on YouTube and uh, TikTok, a lot of TikTok videos, and so, <laughs> and so, you know, you get to watch Beavis and Butthead experience ASMR videos, and for some people, that will be very amusing, and mm-hmm. it is, and there are st- still some music videos. Uh, the highlight of the first two episodes for me was Beavis and Butthead experiencing uh, a video by BTS, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> so yeah, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spoil it. But other, you know, the actual the actual animated bits. It's two sort of adventures per episode, and there may be a little bit. They may be a tiny bit slight. Uh, so you know, in one, um, Beavis has a power drill that gets confiscated, and they hide in a box, and they get trapped in a box, and that's just the plot. Well, that and, I, you know what? That sounds like gold to me. I will. It, I, <laughs> 
It, it, it was not unfunny. Uh, there's another one in which uh, they decide that there's a lot of money in artisanal honey, but unfortunately they can't tell the difference between honeybees and wasps um, with <laughs> yeah, predictable consequences. Excellent. I'm laughing already. I'm laughing yeah, already. Yeah, so, so there's a, they, it, it plays well, and I, I feel like Mike Judge is doing a very, very solid job of just kind of adapting it for a new generation, but maybe not overplaying it. And so I, I laughed at the couple episodes I saw. My review is, is fairly positive. And yeah. I, you know, at some point I look forward to watching more, I think. Maybe right. not as much as you look forward to eventually no, watching. No, I'm, you know. I'm planning the rest of my life around this. Uh, so, <laughs> all right, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm just very excited. I just, you know, uh, you know when, when time catches up, when I catch up with time, I, I will definitely jump into that. Uh, um, Reservation Dog Season 2, you, uh, you kind of liked it. Oh, it's so good. It is, it, is, it is so good. It is. I don't know if it's necessarily really the best thing on TV because Better Call Saul still has two weeks left, mm-hmm. but Better Call Saul is going to end and that's going to be it. And then other shows that, that I know you love and that I love are going to end. So yeah. Evil, I believe, is I think this coming weekend might be the finale. Well, I'm not. It, it must be because I just what I caught up on that too today. Uh, and and the the way that they set this last episode up, it was such a huge cliffhanger that clearly next week is the is the finale. And the last two episodes have have been really dark. And yes, very dark. Disturbing. My God, the one that the one that Aisha Tyler directed. My God, the ending. Holy yeah. crap! And um, I kind of wished that they had stuck a little bit more with it emotionally with where things left off. I felt like probably Kristen bounced back much faster than yeah. is justifiable. From it, yeah, it was just came. a it was just a quick visit to Kurt and then they kind of drop it, you know. Yeah, you know, he's he's got power and now he and now he's a very very he's, prolific writer also, so <laughs> Yes, I yeah. can I just mention really quickly and we'll get back to uh, uh Reservation Dogs in a second, but since we brought up evil, since you brought up evil and I just watched it, I literally watched it, watched it a couple hours ago. Um the, I love the fact, and, I, and we've mentioned before how much we both admire, and I really love the the relationship that uh, that Kristen has with her kids, and the kids themselves. I love them. I love them singing to Weezer in this episode. That made me very very happy, and I loved that um, she defends the ring and says, "Hey, that's, the ring is not a B movie." <laughs> that's one of my favorite lines in the whole thing. I was a little disappointed, however, that they didn't mention the movie it follows. You know, they say it follows you around a bunch of times. They mention the ring. That's fine. But it's closer in what, the, what was going on in the episode was closer to the movie It Follows than it actually was to the ring. Uh, but I think, they, I think they wanted the ability to go with something that was a little bit wider. Like, I, I understand exactly what you're saying and, yes, why, and why totally that would have made more sense. Yeah. Uh, but I also I kind of like the idea of them picking on the ring given that the ring is also a little bit older so yes. everyone got to yes. have kind of no. different relationships with I, it. listen that's just the total film dork in me you know what i mean that was like because they made the ring joke and it was great it's not a b movie she says it's a throwaway line it's very very funny um but i was just thinking to myself no it's not really like the ring it's kind of like it follows <laughs> but that was just in my head so anyway but uh, yes and i've been i'm enjoying evil and uh we'll see what happens but it's clearly this last episode was built up to... This is the first time that they've ever, this season at least, ended on such a big cliffhanger. Um, so 
and I think that obviously next week is, is episode 10, so I think that's it, yeah, for the season. Yep, that is, that is it for the season. And, uh, you know, what, before we get to Reservation Dogs, we can also go, because uh, they're, they're at the halfway point now in the season of, uh, of what we do in the shadows, and I know you would say <laughs> that's probably among the best shows on TV at the moment. I, I got to say, that last episode was the funniest one of the season. Uh, I, I agree completely. Oh, my God. The whole let's make him go to sleep and then wake up and make him go to sleep and wake up thing where, they're, <laughs> where they erase their memory. It just all of that killed me. It was, the, it was the, I think, the most laugh out loud episode of the entire season. By the way, um, at, the, at the costume contest, we have a costume contest at Flashback over the weekend, and it was the child costume contest. Well, a woman came up. She was dressed full on Nadja, like full on. And she had her kid or baby, who was probably a year old, dressed up like uh, the thing that came out of Colin Robinson's carcass. Uh, uh, oh, so so dressed like that, not not dressed like the Nadia doll. No, dressed oh, like okay. like she was, and she introduced him as in with Nadia's accent as the, <laughs> what, the as the what is it the creature that came from the carcass they, of they vary it vary it it's different each time yeah. it's uh, yeah. it's it's a it's a great running joke <laughs> yeah and you know she had the she the kid was in a blonde wig and he had like the he had like the little tuxedo that he sings in and tap dances in <laughs> he had that on and she was full in nausea she didn't win i was like damn that's disappointing um, but anyway but the, and and also another person that showed up that didn't win at the costume contest full on head to toe may queen a Florence Pugh costume from the end of Midsummer. I almost passed out, and her huh. boyfriend was dressed up in a in a in a bear costume. Like, like <laughs> it was unbelievably funny, and and they didn't win. I was like, what the hell? So well, then, who won? You have, you can, a you guy can that leave. came out. I will tell you this then: a guy that came out in a, in a giant gizmo costume. Okay. Now, now, okay. Now I know that you're interested because I know that's your avatar on your Twitter account. So I know that you like Gizmo. Is you do you, you must like Gizmo very much. I like Gizmo very much. I love oh. Gremlins very much. Okay. So the dude comes up in a full on giant, like almost uh, the size of a mascot Gizmo costume. He comes up and uh, he's and he can barely see. They're like helping him up the stairs onto the stage. He comes up and Sven Gulli, by the way, our, our our television host here in Chicago. I know you know him because he's national. I do. Uh, Sven was the, was the, was the guy emceeing it and he would go up and interview the people and who are you, who are you supposed to be? And, you know, and then the audience claps and blah, blah, blah. So the guy comes up and he's dressed up like Gizmo and he's got the, um, you know, the sort of the Rambo headband around. He's got that uh-huh. bandana around his head. He comes up and he's like, uh, I'm Gizmo. And it's like, oh, okay. And then I'll stand up in front of the crowd and then, and then they have to do like a little walk, a presentation, you know, of their costume. And as he walks, he starts to shake. And he's shaking and shaking and shaking, and he starts to shake violently, and all of a sudden he tears off his chest, and there's underneath it, there are green scales. And he tears off the arms, the big furry arms, and underneath it are green uh, skinny uh, arms that are scaly with, with long nails. And he grabs his face and starts to shake, and pieces of his face fall off, and he rips them off, and underneath there is a gremlin. Like, so he transformed into a gremlin. His girlfriend throws a chainsaw on the stage, and he picked up the chainsaw, and it worked. It, was, it wasn't a fake chainsaw, but it actually did, like, it worked. It made noise. And he started, he, so he transformed from Gizmo into a, a gremlin on stage, and that he won. <laughs> okay. I, so, I mean, that's not, that sounds ambitious. <laughs> it was, ama- seriously, it was amazing. And, it, and, and the costume itself was, it was good. Um, but he won because of his performance. And uh, the guy who came in, the guy who came in third, uh, was a guy with a wig on. But he came up and he played Metallica. He was Eddie Munson. So all he did was he 
He did the moves. He played Metallica, and he won. I'm like, man, that's not a costume. Lame. Exactly. And meanwhile, the woman who was dressed up like Florence Pugh in an unbelievable, you know, May Queen costume for Midsommar. Nothing. (sighs) I was a little angry. So... Anyway, we've been so distracted from Reservation Dogs. We have. It's like the, we, best show, the best show ever, as you, as, you, as you say. Let's get back to that, shall we? <laughs> yes. The, the new season of Reservation Dogs, I have seen the first four episodes, of which the first two have aired. And the first four episodes are, are just fantastic. It is, uh, if people haven't watched it, it is all available on Hulu. There are, uh, were only eight episodes in the first season, only two so far this season. So... It's an afternoon. You can just catch right back up. It's yep. a breeze. Yep. Um, and it's, it's just such a good show. And, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about my annoyance slash frustration slash borderline anger at the Emmy voters uh, ignoring it. But it's, it's just such a great showcase for all of these indigenous actors, some of whom have been traditionally woefully underused by Hollywood. So people like, you know, not like West Studi hasn't done great work in the past, but yeah. he's so he's so great and so light on his feet here. It's such a pleasure to watch him having fun. Uh, ditto with Zon McLaren, Gary Farmer, who I always enjoy when he pops up on things. He's tremendous in Dead Man. If people haven't seen Jim Jarmusch's Dead Man. Please, man. Don't even um, get me started. We'll, such we, can't, we could get distracted again if we start talking about <laughs> Dead Man. <laughs> but, but yeah, so they're great. And the, and the young cast is just so tremendous. And, and I keep saying this over and over again, but uh, Debra Jacobs, um, she should have been nominated for an Emmy. She is on the verge of becoming such a big star she's in uh, an upcoming marvel series the upcoming marvel echo series uh but she's also added writing to her her resume on this season and the fourth episode she co-wrote it with uh, sterling harjo who created the show and it's it, the, the whole episode is set around an old character's death and the memorial around it and just all of the people in this town coming together and and dealing with death as both mourning but also joy. It's such a beautiful episode and uh, such a special episode. And the show itself is is just unique. And so I just get so angry about things uh, like it not even being nominated for a casting Emmy. To me, that is is so ridiculous. And it's here that I note that the casting director of Reservation Dogs is... Uh, is Angelique Midthunder and her daughter is oh, yeah. currently yeah, yeah, yeah. fighting the predator in yeah. a little movie called Prey on and, Hulu. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, because I, I did actually find time to watch that, and and let me just say this: how that goddamn thing made it didn't make it to the big screen, and Bullet Train did is a stu- well, Bullet Train did because Brad Pitt's got an all star cast, but uh, Prey should be in theaters. It should be in theaters. It should, but there there are various contractual reasons I've been yeah. led to believe. Like for example, I've been I've been told that basically if they had put it in theaters, they weren't really sure what its audience was going to be, and also they would have lo- because of uh, basically streaming deals, they would have lost exclusivity, yeah. and it would have had to be shared with HBO Max. And basically, they decided rather than kind of flipping a coin and deciding whether or not there was enough money to make it worthwhile in a theatrical experience, they decided to just let it be an event on Hulu. And absolutely, there's no question, everybody was watching it this weekend. So it's great. Mm-hmm. It's great, and she's phenomenal. She is. She's uh, tremendous. Oh, if people if people haven't seen uh, Legion that was on FX, yeah. and it's I now also to... available on yeah. 
I used to watch that. I used to watch that religiously. She's fantastic. Yeah, she yeah. she was great. She was great on that as well. And yeah, so yeah, yeah, her her mother cast Reservation Dogs and damn well deserved to be nominated for and win an Emmy. And Emmy voters blew it. Yeah. Uh, well, I have not watched the new season yet, but I love Re- I love the first season of Reservation Dogs. It's great. And uh, so I'm, good. I'm really looking forward to it, and I'm glad that it's out there. I do want to mention. You mentioned West Duty. I saw a film um, last week that I want to mention really quickly. It's called Love Song with uh, West Duty and uh, Dale Dickey. And it's this lovely little road trip nomad type kind of movie about these two um, old people, these people, old friends that knew each other that might have had a romance in the past. And they kind of reunite and like make music together, literally, not just, you know, figuratively. <laughs> um, and it's a, it's a wonderful road movie, very low budget, but really two amazing performances by Dale Dickey. And you mentioned West Duty. He's great in it. He's great in it. And it's called Love Song. I had, I had heard about it, and I like the idea of those two being on the top of a call sheet for a movie. So. There's no question. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you. I couldn't agree with you more. It was just a delight to see these two older, great character performers and actors really get to sink their teeth into a, a really lovely film. And it's really good. It's called Love Song. I just wanted to mention that because you mentioned Wes Studi. Sure. Hey, what are your thoughts on this whole, like, hey, Batgirl, no. Uh, thing. I mean, you got to have thoughts on this, right? Oh, I, I surely have <laughs> thoughts about it. No, it's yeah. it's it's awful, and it's awful on on more levels than I can count. Honestly, it's it. it I mean, the primary level on which it's awful is it's not the way that the industry works, and so I don't understand how you tell creative people. Yeah, you just made a $90 million movie. Every movie that's ever been made ever for a studio has been released in some form. We have a streaming service that we could just drop this on, given that that's what it was made for. And instead, we're taking a tax write-off and we're burying your movie. It's just, to me, it is such a it is such an ugly look directed at the creative community. And I understand parts of the principle to it, namely that, the DC movies that have been made recently are are a mess. And if they're going to try to basically reboot everything and make it into a new version of Marvel, I understand that there's more money and success in that. It's it's just damning for the creative community. It's damning when when you have a movie with a woman of color as the lead and it just gets buried. And then yeah. at the same time, you have so many very, very bad movies that are getting full-on releases and like Brothers, bullet like, train like i i haven't seen it so i don't oh, know and it's I'm, shit dan it is total I, shit it doesn't it doesn't look like <laughs> anything better than that so oh my god i and i'll watch it somewhere down the road when it comes out on streaming and mm. so yeah that's that's what it is but no it basically there is no evidence right now that the new administration at Warner Brothers Discovery is going to be an artist-friendly administration, yeah. and that makes me very, very concerned because HBO Max has a lot of very, very good shows, and if it's going to come down to basically all they want is Game of Thrones spinoffs and DC-adapted new properties, there's a lot of good stuff that is is going to get buried, and I, I hope it doesn't. It was a, it, it's a, it sets a horrible precedent for sure. There's 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 no question about it. By the way, did you watch? Have you watched uh, John Oliver this week yet? Yes, yes. Okay, he, so he, you he, saw the segment that he did. <laughs> oh, he 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 got he got in his little stab at business, Daddy. And... He certainly did. <laughs> and, he's, and he's not and he's not wrong. So no, he's not. He's not wrong. He's not wrong at all. Uh, uh, so there you go. By the way, the, his. Uh, as usual, you know, the the whole bit that they did where they kept calling that guy who would call into C-SPAN, 
Oh, my God. I was on the floor laughing because, you know, I did talk radio for many years, uh, Dan. Mm-hmm. So I've had callers like I've had people <laughs> who just listen all day long and call all the time. That, so that, anyway. guy, that guy seems like he has issues. <laughs> he certainly does, and it was brilliant the way they put it together. So anyway. Uh, all right. Well, I wanted to get your thoughts, uh, your thoughts on that. Okay. So I got to pick your brain about something. By the way. Oh, no, no. Uh, before we jump into the weird stuff that I wanted to talk to you about that Esmeralda and I you know, were chatting about last time, um, I do want to, uh, to, to have you talk about the, the, the podcast that you do and plug what's, uh, what's up now that people can listen to and check out Hollywood Reporter. Yes, uh, of course. Uh, that would be na- that would be TV's top five, which uh, comes out every Friday, very very early in the morning. And if you want to hear more, much 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 more uh, about our thoughts on last week's uh, Warner Brothers Discovery news, uh, my colleague Leslie Goldberg and I we talked for about. 30 minutes uh, immediately after the earnings call that Warner Brothers and Discovery executives did. So it's it's sort of dealing with the information as it was fresh. And we covered mm. a lot of that. We also had John Langraff, who's the head of FX. He was on the podcast for a 25-minute chat last week. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just a, a good way of going through the week's TV news. We have showrunner interviews, executive interviews, and again, every Friday morning. Every Friday morning. And you can get it at uh, Hollywood, uh, HollywoodReporter.com? Or? You can get it there. You can get it on all of your finer uh, podcasting platforms. So if you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, you can find it there. Stitcher, all of that right. stuff. Just basically, subscribe. basically wherever, like if you listen to this podcast regularly, wherever you find my podcast, you will find that podcast as well. Exactly. There you go. Okay, cool. Um, so Esmeralda and I were talking about... Uh, uh, terrible TV shows, and um, there was a list uh, from this website that someone sent us, Slater or, or Stacker, sorry, Stacker dot com, uh, where they kind of put together, they hobnobbed together some list of hundred worst, and we kept noticing that um, a few Canadian TV shows were on there. And Esmeralda was like, you know, it's always I always find it really weird when I watch Canadian TV. It always seems like it's from a different place, and I'm like, well, yeah, it's from Canada. But it always feels like you can always, when you watch a Canadian TV series, you know, in America, um, you can, you, sometimes you can always tell. And I'm not just because they say sorry in a boot, <laughs> but you can, you can actually tell it has a feel. Like Canadian television has a feel to it. Now, I wanted to throw this at you, your thoughts on Canadian TV and if that's true or not. One, because you're a TV writer and an expert and a critic. And two, you're Canadian. So what are your thoughts on Canadian TV, and does it have a different feel than American TV, and your thoughts? I think it definitely does, and I think it's similar to the feeling that a lot of people have, uh, I would say, less and less currently, uh, but definitely before with with British TV as well. Uh, there, was, there was a look that certain kinds of British television had, and it's... To some degree, it's as simple as budget and, and video. It, it's not more complex than that. It's mm-hmm. they don't have the money for more nuanced uh, uh, lighting and for shooting on film and for any of that stuff. They don't have the they don't have the time. It is a much less budgetary intensive process. And so right. and, and that really more than anything is what it is. I don't think that uh, I don't think it's impossible. I, obviously, it isn't impossible for British TV shows to to look good. But there for for decades, there was a stigma about British science fiction and how British science fiction looked like cheesy old Doctor Who or somewhat still cheesy current Doctor Who or 
any of the other various things where they simply don't have the money for special effects. They don't have the money necessarily for post-production. And sometimes even if they do have the money, they don't have the time. It's it's very, you know, it's not complicated. But you, you see a lot of... Uh, co-productions have gradually made their way over here you know uh, sci-fi channel has been well populated over the years with shows that were produced in canada many of which have uh you know vast fan bases and some of them are co-productions something like orphan black which you know is a canadian co-production all of the the talent involved behind the scenes on that show is canadian Mm. but uh for whatever reason, largely because they had money from BBC America, etc., the budget was slightly higher and they were able to do fairly fantastic special effects that were very, very helpful. But even a lot of shows can get by on charm. Something like Winona Earp uh, is a show with a massive fan base in the States, a Canadian-produced show, aired on sci-fi, like on a purely empirical level, it, does it look as good slash expensive as House of the Dragon is going to look or as the the absurdly expensive uh, Amazon Lord of the Rings show is going to look? No, it sure as heck does not. It looks, frankly, very, very, very cheap. But, you know, the c- creativity can go a long way. And mm-hmm. that's why something like Winona Earp, uh, Killjoys, a lot of uh, Canadian sci-fi has done very, very well. And I think it's helped move the stigma away. And... There also there are also now multiple generations that have been raised on various iterations of Degrassi. And right. so that would be another example of a genre that Canadian TV has simply done very, very well. And uh, and so it transferred it. But there there have always been things like this. I grew up on you can't do that on television. Right. So that would be that would be Canadian kids sketch comedy definitely looks cheap, but. Hey, it had young Alanis Morissette. What more could one possibly want? Right, right. Well, the the whole thing started off because we were talking about that. But I mean, the, the, obviously, you can't talk about Canadian television um, in America without talking about Degrassi. That's the big one. Um, and I mean, for me, SETV was the other one. Um, oh, absolutely. Uh, that was. I mean, that that's the first because I was not. I did not jump on the the Degrassi thing. I'm not Kevin Smith like, even though we're very we're close in age. I, I missed the boat on Degrassi, you know, and Kevin Smith obviously makes a reference to Degrassi in like every movie <laughs> that he makes. And he was in an episode or something of Degrassi, I'm told. Um, yeah, one of one of the later generations. Yeah. Uh, so that was like, but but we were talking about the difference. But for me, you know, and then and now, I mean, where, where does where does Schitt's Creek land on that? Uh, uh, Schitt's, Schitt's Creek, absolutely. Another one that's Canadian co-production. And, right. and you know, at times looks a little... But it also still had some American money. Uh, but you can all, you know, comedies are easier to work around. So something like Letterkenny, which is a, a great, great, extraordinarily ter- ter- funny Canadian terrific show. show. Terrific uh, show. Yeah. Um, it, but, you know, it, it gets by on, on on ingenuity. And like, come on, what what does that show need special effects for? It does yeah. not need special effects. Yeah. And therefore, it looks as good as you want it to. Does it, does it sometimes look a little cheap? Sure. Uh, has it gotten to the point where sometimes seasons are like seven episodes long and they're like 19-minute episodes because that's simply what they had the time or the money to do? Yes, yeah. but... Yeah. Good, good writing, good directing, and good acting will always be able to compensate at least somewhat for cheap production values. Mm. And so the good Canadian shows can still play just as easily. Just a lot of, you know, most, most, and most of the bad shows we don't ever see. So that's, right, that's right. sort of the relief. Is right. If something's really bad, it simply does not make it over here. Right. Okay. All right. And the other thing that we got uh, into a conversation about 
uh, because of this 100 worst shows list was because that uh, call me cat or don't call me. What the hell is it with my Bialik? Uh, they call me cat or I'm cat. Or... I, I think call me cat. Yeah, I think. All right. All right. Well, anyway, uh, it, that is a really terrible show. And it is an example of the modern awfulness of the classic three camera filmed before a live audience or taped before a live audience sitcom. And Esmeralda and I were trying desperately, racking our brains to try and think of a current one or a suitably recent example of a really good three camera live in front of a studio audience. And we couldn't think of anything. And I was like, is really the last great one Seinfeld? Is that the last great one? No, not at all. I mean, because all, all, all of the great series that I kept thinking of, like comedy series that I really love, they were all filmed. They're all one-camera film shows with, like, most of them have no laugh track. And I'm, I've been trying to think of some of the great – I mean, we didn't count One Day at a Time. The, I guess we talked about One Day at a Time, the, the reboot. We talked about The Ranch. A couple of things on Netflix. Well, why, what, would you, why would you not count One Day at a Time? Uh, no, I mean, we are counting it. I mean, we did, okay. that's, that's what I'm saying. We did mention One Day at a Time. We did mention The Ranch. Um, as you know, like those Netflix shows, and we did mention a, a couple of other things, but they were few and far between. My point is that the three camera s- sitcom in front of a live audience, there aren't as many, and they don't seem to be nearly as good as they used to be. Um, and is There's, that a- there has become a perception that it's not a medium that works, and yet there are many people who are out there trying to be proselytizers for it, who try to crusade on the format's behalf. And so, you know, when you had One Day at a Time, not only, obviously, did you have Norman Lear, but you also had Mike Royce, who had worked on Everybody Loves Raymond. And so, you know, that's... Oh, that's yeah, someone... Raymond is after... is after. Yeah, okay, sorry. So that, so that would be an example of one that, that yeah. people have done successfully. I, you know, every, look, everyone has different feelings about Chuck Lorre. I think a lot of what Chuck Lorre has done has been awful. I think a lot of what Chuck Lorre does is sometimes a little bit better. So something like Big Bang Theory, I would say, is a good example of both. It's, it's absolutely a show that when it started out was absolutely atrocious. And by the time it ended, it had gone off the rails again. But right in the middle of it, it was a very proficient, well-made multi-camera comedy. Uh, okay. But I would say that something like Mom would be an example of a of a much better and generally more consistent good Chuck Lorre. We we did talk about we did talk about Mom. I I, I okay. came out I came out in defense of Mom mainly because of the the cast and I and I thought Absol- it hand, and I thought it handled addiction really well. Absolutely, and it, it was a, it was a show with aspirations. And so, similarly along those lines, I would say something like uh, Carmichael Show on NBC, which is another example. Uh, Gerard Carmichael was a you know, a devotee of Norman Lear, and he liked the idea of doing this thing as a as a as a multicam comedy, and so yeah. they did. And another example of a show where a fantastic cast and a, a very good, smart approach to topical writing was able to overcome that. There's something there is something old fashioned and and kind of trying too hard about the format. Yeah. So it it can still be done, and it and networks will always periodically try to do it because. They're, they're they're very they're very lucrative when they work because you can you can do them relatively fast you can do them relatively cheap again this is compared to a single camera uh, right. comedy right and they sell well internationally also the one other thing I'll say before sort of stepping off this is that there is an entire there are, again speaking generationally here there are several generations of viewers who grew up on Nickelodeon. And Disney Channel multicams, 
And so for those people, it's a much more comfortable thing. And so those are another example of, so maybe it's, it's younger skewing, obviously. And so maybe there's less responsibility to be polished and mature, but a lot of those shows were very, very successful and used the multi-cam format very, very well also. Right. Well, I, I will tell you this. The reason why most of it was brought up was we talked about that. I'll, they call me cat thing, but an inordinate amount of uh, Disney channel and Nickelodeon sitcoms were on that list. And that's how the whole thing kind of started. That's how we all started going, my God, these three camera shows suck. But that's it was, <laughs> so it was it was mostly examples, as you mentioned, Disney Channel got mentioned a lot on that list of terrible and, shows. And heaven knows, you know, I haven't watched most of them. And most of the people who have great affection for those shows have great affection for them because they watched them when they were young. And exactly. So the yeah. same the same reason why, you know, in my mind. Head of the Class was a decent TV show. Head yeah. of the Class was not a decent TV show, right, but right. in my in my mind, hey, it was listen, a decent TV show. Dan, when I was a kid, I thought uh, I thought that Welcome Back Carter was the funniest mo- was the funniest show of all time, and it's crap. <laughs> See, exactly. So, 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 if you grow up on that format. Yeah. Yeah. You aren't as prejudiced against it, Exactly. I guess. Well, it's nice to see. I was just, I just kept thinking of stuff. Like, the reason why I was like, wow, this is really bad is because I just kept thinking the CBS stuff like The Neighborhood, which is rank, and uh, uh, the one with Mike and Molly, Bob. Uh, uh, Bob Hart's Abishol. See, but you haven't watched Bob Hart's Abishol, uh, I'm going to say, if not ever, I'm going to say recently. It's not a bad show. Is it a good show? I watched it. I watched it when it first came on. I watched it. Yeah, no, it, it first came but on. that's the thing about the Chuck Lorre shows is that almost all of them start off horrible and then okay. become better because they find kind of the comedic voices. So okay. Bob Hart's Abishola was not good. Uh, when I've checked in on it subsequently, it's been a significantly better show because again, okay. he likes using the format and giving a little bit of heart underneath the big broad laughs. Okay. All right. Well, there was that was just kind of a thing we wanted to get your thoughts on Canadian TV and the multicam sitcom. Uh, and I am uh, here for y'all. Well, uh, no, that's great stuff, man. And the next time I have a conversation uh, with Esmeralda, I'm not going to tell her you said any of it, and I'm going to sound really <laughs> smart. I'm going to sound really damn insightful. So thank you for that. Perfect. Um, what are you working on next? What have you seen that you're going to be reviewing coming up? Well, let's see. A bunch of stuff that I can't really talk about, unfortunately, because mm-hmm. embargoes. But yeah, but yeah, but you look at as we move towards the end of the month, there is a lot of big stuff coming out, including House of the Dragon, the aforementioned Lord of the Rings thing, uh, the creators of um, the of the Americans return with the patient. On mm. FX slash Hulu. So mm. I'm thinking when I come back in three weeks, there's going to be a lot of big TV. There will be. About. And that'll be on the 30th of August is the next time uh, a, a uh, an episode will uh, will air with you. And I can't wait. Uh, did you because the last time we talked and we, I, I got to get you out of here. What was the next the last time we talked? Did you did you finally watch all of uh, the end of uh, Old Man? Uh, no, no, I have oh, not, okay. have not had right. the time, but it's, nope. it's right. It's right there on the horizon. Yeah. Again, no, no hurry. I was just curious as to whether you, whether you want not it. yet. Okay, cool. Uh, the fine print, uh, com, Hollywood reporter and the fine print is spelled F I E N. Always a pleasure. Uh, Dan, we'll talk to you in a few weeks instead of a couple. Looking and, forward and, and to that. And by the way, happy anniversary to your parents and, and have a great time. Thank you much. Okay, my friend. See you later. Thanks. All right. Dan uh, Feinberg, everybody, and uh, he will join us again uh, in a few weeks. Uh, He's on vacation uh, uh, in two weeks from now, so we'll have him back on uh, the 30th of August. All right. Dan Feinberg rules, and you know who else rules? Esmeralda Leon. Esmeralda. Yeah. Yeah. Esmeralda Leon. Yeah. Esmeralda. 
Leon, um, and uh, we welcome Esmeralda Leon here as we do uh, for every uh, podcast, and uh, we're both basically fresh from Flashback Weekend. And uh, hi, Esmeralda. Hello. How are you? I am great. Good. No so, one murdered me. Nobody murdered you at Flashback. <laughs> no, That's a, no one got murdered at the Flashback Weekend. No, thank goodness. No, they did not. <laughs> Uh, although they look, some of them looked like they had been murdered. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, uh, we're going to get to our to some stuff. We're going to talk a, a little bit of scary facts from the book. Are you shitting me? Uh, we're also going to get back to some of the worst TV shows. And my dad's going to stop by, ring the bell, kick uh, uh, Carrie Russell down the stairs, and then tell it. Can't tell it. Oh no. Uh oh. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and yeah. I love Nick's I know, show. Okay. I know, Carrie. I know. Okay. Anyway, she'll be a, she'll be back in a little bit. Uh, so she anyway. heard you say you're gonna your dad's gonna push her down the stairs. She was like, and "Hey, she, yeah, no, you're you're not." Unfortunately, you know, here's the weird thing that uh, that she's only limited to those words. I don't know why. Mm. That's all she can yeah. say. Yeah. Or that's all she's willing to say. I don't know why, but I maybe I think I, I think maybe I think it is that Radio Misfits has a contract with her and all she can say is hi and her name and I love Nick's show. I think that's contractually she signed a contract with Ed at Radio Misfits mm. and that's all Terry Russell is legally allowed to say. I think Thank that's goodness. think that's what it is. So anyway, or I wish you could say God damn it, Nick. Yeah, but which would be nice. Or I'll give you asthma. Right. Well, anyway, uh, so let's let's uh, let's reminisce a little about about this weekend. I'm still unwinding. Um, mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. always a very very crazy time for me, and this year was particularly even more crazy because I checked in on Thursday in the afternoon, like early afternoon, mm-hmm. and dropped off my stuff in my room, and then it immediately began working uh, to get the to get the weekend going. And I I spent three hours with um, Mike and Mia Kurz, who, by the way, that's their 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 the family that runs the uh, flashback convention. I spent about three hours with their lovely daughter, uh, Michelle, checking in all the dealers and vendors, mm-hmm. uh, bringing them telling them which back door to load in all their wares and tell them what table they are in the grand ballroom and all that stuff. And I spent three hours on my feet running around and giving them their wristbands and passes. And I was, and I never saw this before Esmeralda. Um, you were in the dealer room, obviously the vendor room. Yes. And it's big. It's a big grand ballroom at the Hyatt Regency, um, filled with different vendors from across the country. Uh, how would and and then the surrounding area around you know the vendors are all in the middle, and the surrounding tables all around the outskirts in the squares in the square are all the celebrities where you can sign up and get you know get your autographs and your selfies and your pictures and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. all the celebrities like your Alex Winter and your Robert England and your PJ Souls and your Robert Carradine, they're all on the outside, and the vendors are all in the middle. So it's yeah, this it was, giant it's ballroom. It's kind of fun. Tell me what it was you, fun you're, because you would just walk by and you're like, oh, there's Alex Winter. <laughs> right, exactly. 
<laughs> so uh, tell me about it. You know, so so I got to see that, and you you saw how crazy and filled it was with with merchandise and people and life and lights and things hanging from the ceiling and things hanging from you know. Um, when I walked in there on Thursday afternoon, that room was empty and it was nothing but chairs and tables. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it was so amazing to me to watch that happen. I was telling you and Colin when you first showed up that I wish they had a big, you know, they had a camera up in the in the corner to focused on all the rooms and they could do a time lapse to see how it goes from absolutely nothing but a giant ballroom in a hotel with empty tables and chairs to what it turns into. Yeah. It would be fascinating. That would have been an interesting video to watch. Yeah. And then, you know, probably, I mean, probably Sunday night, it goes right back. Tables and chairs. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They start breaking down because the the dealer room, everything really shuts down at four o'clock. On Sunday, mm. that's when everything starts to wind down. So right around three o'clock, people start to break stuff down, you know. Uh, and they've got you know, a lot of these guys, a lot of these people, these vendors. They do this, you know. They go to shows during the summer, uh, at like maybe sometimes every weekend or every other weekend. And mm. so they load up their truck, get on the road, and go someplace else. And I had a brand new appreciation for these vendors by watching them come in and load in, and how hard it is, and that they oh we just drove in from you know Minnesota, or we just drove in from Ohio, we just drove in from you know, DC or things like that. They come from that mm-hmm. far um, just to sell their wares and share their stuff. And a lot of the stuff is homemade. A lot of it is art, is art you know? Yeah, um, there was it's... a lot of really cool stuff. Um, I don't know who the vendor was, but I don't know if you saw it, but there was VHS tapes yeah. that had been hollowed out and then in the little windows or whatever they did in the little windows of the VHS tape were figures of whatever the, you know, Freddy or Jason or horror, a bunch of horror movies. Like, it was really cool, the art he, that they put into the yeah, VHS tapes. That's a guy, I, I want to say, if I remember correct, because there were so many people um, Oh, there. yeah, there were so many. But his, I want to say that his name was Dave, and I ended up checking most of the... I, I, three quarters of the room had to pass me on Thursday. And so I got to know them. And he was a guy, he was, he was a character. Um, and I didn't, and a lot of these people, when they first walked in, I had no idea what they were selling or what they were unloading until I finally saw the finished, their finished area. And I'm like, yeah. oh my God, you guys are amazing, you know. Uh, yeah, to see there the was some that, really cool art. Yeah. And the one guy had the, the big German shepherd named Thorn. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> he made rugs, that guy. He had. Um, oh, that's right. Well, no, wait, wait, there were blankets. Blank. Were they blankets? I thought they were like yeah. throw rug or throw, no, like throw like, blankets. Yeah, like throw blankets. Okay. Um, but he had like Freddy blankets and he had Halloween, Mike, Michael Myers and all kinds of horror blankets and stuff. And he had oh, this yeah. remarkably well-behaved big German shepherd who became like the star. I, I told him, I said, you should put your, <laughs> I said, you should put your table next to, to, to Robert England. And I bet you'll get a bigger line if you let the dog sign autographs. Because the dog became like, <laughs> he became like, you know, the mascot of the whole, you know, the whole room. Yeah. So, well, what was it? What you when you and guys you guys came in? What were some of your your favorite things when you were wandering around? Because you guys get to it was your first time at Flashback. So, tell me about some of the stuff that you liked and some of the stuff that you did. And I know Colin purchased a few things. What? Tell me a little bit about what your adventure at Flashback. Yeah, he for some reason he like just became giggly, and it was because it was nostalgia for him. It was uh, some trading cards. Yeah. That he like old, just old trading cards, turtles. There's gremlins. There was like a million other things. 
and I forget what he bought exactly, but he was like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> he he gets all giggly for stuff like that. So he bought a few. And then he bought a t-shirt uh, that was um, based off of The Undertaker. The but wrestler? it was Stevie Wonder. Wondertaker? I it? think. I don't and then know it was a one. picture of Stevie Wonder, like looking in the like that pose. dressed as dressed as the Undertaker. Yes. So it was it was Stevie Wondertaker. I believe so. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't stop that. Um, the Friday that we were there, yeah, he would not stop staring at it, and he kept like, "Should I get that?" I might get it. I think I'm going to get it. No, I, I think I'm going to. I shouldn't spend the money. And I'm like, dude, just go buy the damn shirt. That is so funny. <laughs> well, you can find Ezreldo, as you know, you know, you, you walk through that vendor room with all the crazy dealers and all that stuff and all the cosplayers. It's very surreal. Like if you go there on a Saturday afternoon and you were there on a Saturday afternoon, uh, when it's in full fucking sprint, as, which was one of my lines from Among the Dead that I use all the time um, from the play I was in years ago. Because mm. um, I always say that, like when on Saturday afternoons when it's really crazy, I'm like, man, we are in full fucking sprint. Uh, when there's like <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of people in the vendor room, and some of them are dressed up in crazy costumes, and people are stopping for pictures, and you can buy whatever you want, and the celebrity signings are at an all time busy high. You know what I mean? Like Saturday afternoon, Sven Gulli's wandering around the building outside. You know, it's yeah. Just- <laughs> I saw um, because after our podcast. He yeah. was then signing autographs. Right, in the foyer. Right, yeah. in the foyer. Yeah. It, it, uh, the line Esmeralda. for him it, was crazy, which tells you so much. Like, he has been around for so long, and you'd be like, oh, whatever. Like, people don't really care that much. Oh, no, no, no. People yeah. love Here, Svengoolie. They love him. And, and uh, well, I mean, you know, uh, you know, he obviously, Esmeralda, he was kind enough to stop by our podcast and make an he appearance. Was. Jesus, it was, was that awesome. It was quite an honor because, honestly, I have never met Sven Gulli. Mm-hmm. I've heard him. Yeah. Because uh, you would interview him. Yeah. And stuff like that. But I never got to meet, I never met the man in person. So it was quite an honor to, yeah. to meet him. Uh, I was a bit uh, in the, like, huh. Yeah, he's, 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 and on top of it, I mean, obviously the guy's iconic. He's a legend. He's the best. And he's also, yeah. as a human, Rich Coase is one of the greatest humans that's ever been on this earth. Like, truly. One of the sweetest and nicest and most talented and beautiful men on the planet. Um, and yeah, I'll tell you something, Esmeralda. I, um, outside of Robert England, nobody has a line longer than Rich's. Nobody. And it was, yeah. And consistently, crazy. every year, crazy and you know, I, you know, you know, my favorite, my my favorite, <laughs> my favorite wrestler of all time mm-hmm. is Ric Flair, mm-hmm. uh, and Ric Flair, woo, he's the guy who does that, and yeah, uh, one of his catchphrases because he's been in the business forever. He doesn't wrestle anymore, although he did. They did like a final match just last week. In fact, I don't want to talk about it, but anyway, he's one of those guys. He's old. He's an old school wrestler, and mm-hmm. he. You know, he was still doing wrestling shows and being on TV long after his ex- expiration date. You know what I mean? Like, he's a guy, the the, the height of, of Ric Flair's ability in the ring physically was in uh, the 80s. Mm-hmm. And okay. he, still, he would still continue wrestling, you know, like maybe 20 years after he should have stopped. Mm-hmm. And his phrase was, like, people would make fun of him because he was old. And when, they would, when he would have feuds with other wrestlers... You know, um, they would always say, "Yeah, well, you're old," and he'd be like, "Let me tell you something, buddy." And his line, and his 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 line back was, 
oldest ride, longest line. That was that was <laughs> that was Ric Flair's. I mean, that's pretty good. <laughs> it's great. It's fantastic. Oldest ride, longest line, and uh, and so that's how I and I and Rich is a big wrestling fan, and uh, Rich Coe's as uh, Fanguli in in real life. Rich and I bond on wrestling a lot, and I've yeah. often said that to him. I said, you know, you are the Ric Flair. Of TV hosts, dude, uh, you're the oldest ride and you're the longest line. And he's like, "Yeah, I guess, I guess I am." <laughs> and you saw that line; it's crazy. Yeah, I'm amazed there wasn't more Svengooli cosplayers. I saw a couple. There, there not as much as yeah. I was expecting. Well, you know what? It was ve- it, normally you'll see a lot more. You know, that's a good point. This year there weren't that many Sven. I mean, there were a couple. But there weren't because, you know, I mean, for, you know, for years and years, all these years, there, you'll see at least 10, 15 Svens running around. Yeah. I was expecting a Sven in the, the costume contest. And there wasn't. No, no Sven. No Sven in the costume contest. Uh, oh, wait. No, there was one. There was one. There was? Yes. There was one. Yes. Uh, and, and there was Sven's wife. They had uh, someone oh, was dressed was up. This? There was no Sven. There wasn't a, I thought there was one Sven. No, just the wife. The just wife, the wife. though. You she are came correct, up, yeah. They came up, she came up dressed as Sven's wife. And he said... Wife uh, and of Sven Wife of Sven And he's like, yeah, my wife's going to be really uh, surprised by that. <laughs> um, but so, so anyway, um, it, it is a little overwhelming, though, if it's your first time there. I can understand why, you know... And I know Colin tends to get a little hyper, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 um, and I can see why, you know, like he's a little, he seems to me, and I don't know this, you know, you know him obviously a lot better than I do, but he seems a little ADD to me. And, oh, yeah. uh, yeah, yeah. And like, and I, and like, I remember walking you guys into the vendor room on Friday when things re- were kind of cooking. Mm-hmm. And I remember like looking at Colin, seeing his eyes just dart from. <laughs> yeah, he's just, just like a dog with no like no attention span, you know. Because if he's because you'll be like, "Hey, come look," but then like, "Who? Who? Huh? Squirrel?" Like he'll like, "Oh, right. that yeah. thing! Oh, wait, that's really cool!" Like right. his, yeah. <laughs> and I and I brought and I immediately one of the first things I did was bring you over to meet Alex Winter because I know you're a big fan and brought you over and, and uh, it was interesting to see you know both of your reactions to to that but it was nice Alex took some time he had a line you know because well, I was just like there's a very long line hi yeah no <laughs> but you know, in. that was the th- but that was that's that's one of the things about being you know like uh you know guest slash staff of Flashback is you can walk yeah. up to the celebrities and go hey how you doing excuse me <laughs> and you know and I don't we don't obviously because I don't want to be a dick to the people who've been waiting in line. But we yeah. you know, and I'd be as brief as possible because I'll do that. What I do is when I when I get there because I'm going to be hosting Q and A's with many of these celebrities. Mm-hmm. I want to either reacquaint myself with them if we've met before or introduce myself to them, and I want to do that on Friday or early as possible to say, "Hey, I'm doing your Q and A tomorrow," or blah blah blah. Right. And I'll shake their hand and I'll meet them and blah blah blah, and then I'll leave. You know, and that's all we were doing. I wanted you to just briefly meet him really quickly, but. So, so, so then Saturday comes along and we have our podcast and we did it on Saturday afternoon at 1230. Uh, and the podcast, by the way, is out. It's, it, it dropped on Sunday morning. My man, Ed, his turnaround is insane because we gave him Sean, who does the sound. I want to give a shout out to Sean and to Don. Um, and, uh, you know, Sean's whole family is there. Uh, uh, his wife, Patty is there and, and all that you met her. She's, she was the celebrity wrangler. And uh, oh, okay. <laughs> she was the one who would go and get the celebrities from the from the vendor room and bring them over to our Q&A room. Um, and you, you met her and Sean was the sound yeah. guy. He did the audio video 
and then D- Don is the mayor. He's the guy running around, <laughs> running everything. And we are the ones there, me, Steve, and Sean and Don, essentially keep that Q&A room running on time. It's our, it's our duty mm-hmm. to keep everything running. And sometimes there are monkey wrenches thrown in. As you saw, I mean, as well, I didn't get a little sp- to spend any time with you off the stage. Like I, I said, hi. We talked, and I, but I was running around like a lunatic and I, I'm, and because that's what I kind of do the whole weekend. Right, which was expected. I was like, "Yeah, you're working." So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's busy, and so, but uh, so we did our podcast. We started up there. We got up there, and we had the big logo blasted on the screen behind us, which was really kind of strange. Um, we started out, and the first half hour was just going to be me and you talking about scary stuff mm-hmm. that we we love, and then we were going to open up the the microphone to the crowd and have them come up and talk about their scariest moments and in, in movies and their scariest movies. And I thought we'd have three people in there. Um, and we didn't. Yeah, we a- I wasn't. I mean, I'm used to doing podcast things. Yeah. <laughs> there's like no one there. <laughs> so I wasn't really. I was like, whatever. Uh, yeah. We're doing this. It's going to get recorded, too. So it's like just focus on, on what we're doing and that's it. Yeah. But there was people. Yeah, there was. I was. That's <laughs> so sad. I was amazed. Me too. You know, no, you never, you never think. Like you don't want to. Like, oh yeah, it's gonna be packed. Whatever. Yeah. It's like no, yeah. you just, you don't know. You never know on these kinds I, of things. I know, and I was. I gotta say, I was kind of stunned at the at the crowd we had there. I really was because I thought because we were you know it was listed on in the schedule twelve thirty mm-hmm. the Nick D podcast and then one o'clock P J Souls and John Michael Graham from Halloween. So I expected twelve thirty to one to be empty. You know what I mean? I expected people mm-hmm. to look at that schedule. And go, I don't know what the fuck Nick D podcast is, so I'm not going in there yeah. uh, until one. And then that second half they would be they would be suckered into being part of our podcast because the second half was actually still <laughs> our podcast. But yeah. We had, we had I, I would say, just as big a crowd before PJ and John came in. Um, yeah. I was shocked. Um, and, and, we, and I had a great time, uh, you know, and then PJ and John came up, and they were great. How, much fu- how fun was it to talk to them? They were so – it was – I haven't really gotten a chance to interview many celebrities and, and people like that, and it's – the ones I have have been great. They've been good, yeah. but they – we're so comfortable, like being up there. I felt, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like, I guess us too. Just talking to them, we were yeah. good at not making them feel weird. But PJ, like, she's on top of everything. She's, she knows she's got a joke, she's got a yep. something, she's got a yeah. story, and it's like, yes, yep. you are a she's, great guest. <laughs> she's gold, man. And that's why when when Mike was like, look, when you do your podcast, Mike Kurz, who said. Yes, you can do your podcast. And, and I thank Mike and Mia for letting us do the podcast there. This is the first time we've ever done this podcast live. And, mm-hmm. yeah. and you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's, 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 it's a home feel advantage because it's flashback. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I didn't expect the place to be as crowded as it was. I didn't expect the participation from the audience to be. We had a line of people, Esmeralda, waiting yeah, to people participate. People love to give their opinions. Yes, they do. <laughs> and it was funny, too, because... You know, they were some of them were smart asses and we got to joke back and forth and stuff. Um, it's great. And, and and again, all the audio, the entire podcast is the episode before this one. It's episode 59. And it mm-hmm. was dropped on Sunday morning. We sent it to Ed, our guy at Radio Misfits, who's down in Texas uh, for, for a couple of months. And then he'll mm-hmm. come back up to Chicago. We sent it to him around 1045 Saturday night. And it was up on our website and on all of the, the platforms all over the internet by 9 o'clock Sunday morning. Oh, my. 
Yeah, it was pretty impressive, man. Good. And for, he, I mean, that's great, though. That's good. And, and the it's other interesting thing is, I listened back to some of it, mm-hmm. and they cut the crowd out completely, so it just sounds like we're in a studio. Oh, interesting. It is interesting. I mean, it does, <laughs> even it, though we said, didn't we say like, "Oh, right, there's a crowd." <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. We did say that, but I mean, except for the except for the people who came up and spoke into microphones, because the only feed that we had was in the microphone. So the people who came yeah. up and spoke into the microphone, you could hear them, and every once in a while, you could hear a little laughter bleeding into the microphones. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to assure people who listen to it that we were killing that day, Esmeralda. Were we not? <laughs> We got laughs. Um, we got, I think so. Yeah, we got uh, some laughs. No, we were killing. We were killing. And, and we were getting a lot of laughs and a lot of applause, which you unfortunately can't hear. And, and I'll tell you this. When you hear a long silence on the podcast, we killed on that joke. So just know. Imagine it's not a silence. It's people it's laughing. It's laughter and cheers. We got applause and stuff. Like, and, and then, like, okay, here's the thing. Uh, uh, the, t- the most telling part is the, the, the moment when Rich Svengoolie showed up because he was a surprise guest. We didn't know we didn't know whether he was going to show up or not, you know, um, because he was doing a, They were filming a documentary at the same t- at the same time, like Rich yeah, isn't busy yeah. enough. And so they were following him around. He had to do a whole bunch of documentary stuff. And then finally he did show up and he could only be on stage with us for a couple of minutes. And when um, he showed up, there's a lot of silence on the uh, on the podcast because everybody went nuts. You know what I mean? <laughs> Oh my goodness! But anyway, but so Rich got up there and we had a great time, and the audience participation was great, and it was great. I was exhausted when I got home uh, last night, like, and I just ended up sleeping. And then I went to the Logan to the late night show of Hot Fuzz because I thought that that would be a nice way to cap off the weekend. So yeah, and then but. getting to meet after after the fact to like get to just chat a little bit with yeah PJ and John Michael was yeah. like. So fun, and John Michael Graham's husband, husband who is apparently a, is also in. A he was movie. in a he was in a movie, and he I didn't know this until he told me. Right, John Michael. By the way, John Michael Graham, who is also in Halloween. PJ Souls obviously plays Linda, the totally girl, uh, in Halloween, and her boyfriend in the movie is Bob. He's the guy who gets lifted up by Michael Myers and stabbed into the wall and stuck. Yeah. You know, um, um, and uh, so they played, and they were together on stage with us because they talked about their scene together. And I also, of course, had to bring up the fact that like he comes really quickly in Halloween, <laughs> and of course, I had to bring that up. And, uh, and but that you ended had a good up being story for it. It was yeah. a fantastic story. It was great. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so so they were on, and then there is this private party that the staff can go to, and that people who buy the ultimate weekend pass. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Ultimate Weekend Pass is something that you can purchase uh, through Flashback Weekend every year, and you, you pay some extra money, the ultimate thing, but you get all kinds of bonuses. You are the first in line for autographs for all the big names, including Freddie, which is a big deal, a big, big deal, considering how long oh, people yeah. wait. Uh, and you, you, know, you get all kinds of bonuses. You can sit in the first four rows at the Q&As and screenings. So you get all these great advantages. You get, like a, uh, uh, you get a goodie bag filled with DVDs and T-shirts and stuff. Ooh, and fun. yeah, and um, and you get a private party. You get to go to this private party that we attended, uh, where the celebrities walk around and go from table to table. You can take selfies and pictures, and they don't charge you. And you can have cocktails. You can drink with them and stuff. And so we were at that, and 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 at those and at that you know ultimate party. I don't uh, try to hone in on the celebrities because you know the people that paid all that money for the weekend they get first mm-hmm. dibs. You know what I mean? Like I can still right. You know. Um, uh, and so I'm I don't like, like I'm just happy like oh there they are <laughs> yeah oh you know like like 
You like Robert England walked past and we said hi to him. He just yeah, walked by. I was like, and, that's and good like, enough for me. But we did end up having we did end up having lovely long conversations with PJ John and John's husband. And PJ's yeah. boyfriend well, they and PJ's just boyfriend. came over and it was yeah. nice to just like just yeah. chat with them like as people rather than like having to well, ask questions and like Yeah. Well, they came over because we had about an hour and a half earlier you and I had done the segment with them on the podcast. And so they were right. like, "Oh, we were just with them so we can go to that table." <laughs> we you know what I mean? Them. Yeah, we <laughs> Yeah. And but we ended up having wonderful conversations with uh with both of them and it was it was great. And and other celebrities yeah, came up. Yeah, lovely. I looked up by the way the the horror movie that Evil um, Speak. his husband is in. Evil e- Speak. Yeah, I've seen it a million I times. I looked up the trailer. Yeah. And that wow. Yeah. No, it's cla- it's great. When he told me he was an evil, his husband was an evil speak. I lost my mind. I was like, "What are you kidding me?" I mean, yeah, you're the only one because he right. was like, "Oh, no one's gonna know it." And you- <laughs> the fact that you were like, "What?" I started quoting from it. I was like, "Wait, hold on. You mean with the character Eric Watson? Are you kidding me? With Clint oh, Howard? Fuck it. You're in fucking goodness. evil speak." He's like, "Yeah, take it easy." I'm like, "No, I'm not gonna take it easy." Um, and then I just want to mention really quickly before we get into scary facts that will scare the shit out of you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you had the unfortunate you and Colin had the unfortunate experience of uh, being around the very first moments that I met the Manson brothers um, oh. <laughs> and I say it's unfortunate Can explain explain to, to everybody why it was just like why are we here explain to the Manson brothers in that first encounter that you guys had to witness well so <laughs> it wasn't like you met them, it was fine, but then because they are who they are, yeah. which, which is wrestlers and, right, in right. the wrestling world, I mean, that's what you immediately started talking to them about. And right. then <laughs> once they realized, they're like, oh, you know stuff. Like, so they just, I mean, it turned into a let's just talk about wrestling. And I'm just like, yeah. Go ahead. And at uh, one point, uh, I was like, "We're gonna, we're gonna go." Yeah. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. We're I'm like, yeah, no, yeah. no, I get it. You yeah. keep talking. Go ahead. It was ridiculous. <laughs> I, so they they made this this movie called The Manson Brothers Present the Zombie Massacre, mm-hmm. and it's a combination. And and Esmeralda, you know, it, t- tell me if you think this movie is sort of like tailor made for me. It's a zombie movie about a an, a, a pro wrestling uh, circuit that gets invaded by zombies. Now tell me yeah. that's not. No, nope, I mean that's. <laughs> Wow. I'm like, well, we said at one point, like, we they were at that private party thingy, and we're like, you need to be in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> or I, I was thinking it, if I didn't say it, but... Yo, you did. You they did should put it. you, yeah. they should put you in the next... Yeah. In the Colin, next Colin definitely, Colin definitely said it. Colin definitely said it out loud. <laughs> should put um, you somewhere. Well, here's the thing. So these guys are ex-pro wrestlers. They used to work with Windy City Wrestling here in town, and then they did the pro wrestling circuit for a long time. Um, and uh, they also have acted in movies here and there, uh, and Chris is a screenwriter, and together they wrote this zombie wrestling movie, and they got it made, and they got uh, uh, Ron Couture, the, uh, the, the uh, UFC fighter, is in it, and D.B. Sweeney mm-hmm. is in it, uh, and they got this thing made, and it's really great. It's very funny. It's a, a very entertaining movie and a great zombie movie and really gory and really funny. And they're hilarious in it. In it, they play the Manson brothers, who are wrestling a tag team. And, uh, and they made the movie, and it, was, it, it did very, very well. And they debuted it last year at, at, uh, at Flashback. And mm-hmm. last year was the only one that I've never gone to. And everybody who went... Uh, immediately, like the day after that, th- their appearance last year, I got texts from Steve, from Mike, from everybody at Flashback who were like, listen, 
you got to meet these guys. You are going to lose your shit when you meet these guys. So it took a full year. They came back this year to host a vampire party and to talk about their sequel that they're working on and to do a Q&A. And I ended up meeting them after I saw their movie last year. I ended up watching it. You know, uh, I streamed it and it's great. So I end up meeting them, and literally, Esmeralda, within two minutes of meeting these guys, it was like we were long-lost buddies. Oh, yeah. And at the private party, they're just like, oh, no. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> there and, are your BFFs, yeah. Well, it, seriously, they are now, and they're, uh, Esmeralda, they're on the, they're on the podcast uh, Monday. They're on the podcast next Tuesday, a week from today. Very nice. They're on the podcast next Tuesday. Your, it's, Wow. <laughs> That conversation yeah, is going to be crazy. But we are now buddies. We were texting each other like little girls, you know, like when we were away <laughs> from each other. Like I get a text from Mike. He'd be like, where are you, buddy? And I'm like, well, I'm over here. I'll go. I'll come meet you. It was literally like, it was literally like Aww, that. that's so sweet. Yeah. So I made friends. friends. I made you friends. Made like, friends. Yeah. So, and then when they, in, they, they said to me, yeah, man, you want to make a cameo in the movie? Yeah, we'll put you yes, in. Yes, like, you should. Oh, so, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Like a, another zombie wrestling movie and they want to put me in it are you fucking kidding me oh my god <laughs> so yes. anyway but overall it was a blast i was exhausted and a big thanks to um to, to mike and mia and the whole family for feeding us um and for providing all that entertainment um and sunday when it winds down that's the day i become a fan and i go over to the celebrities and i get autographs and pictures and stuff without bugging mm-hmm. them when they're you know and that's when i go to the vendors and spend my money i bought a phantasm fucking hoodie that i don't need um, um, I bought uh, a Videodrome uh, wool cap and a Videodrome poster that I didn't have before. So anyway, yeah. Um, but so it was fun, and I'm glad that you had a good time. It was your first one, and, and it will not be your last. I guarantee you that. Yeah, it was. I really enjoyed it. I hadn't been to a con in a while, so yeah, good. I mean, I know fun. Colin had fun. Yes, and he and he. Yeah, he, for sure. He got a Stevie Wonder Wondertaker T shirt and some and some trading cards. Yes, he did. So he's good. Some trading cards. He might have gotten something else. I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad you guys had fun and you and it was wonderful. And if I talk too much on stage, I'm sorry. Uh, as brother, <laughs> I mean, we that's were... kind of what we have to do. Yeah. Yeah. I know, but I but it, it's yeah. I you know I I didn't want to monopolize the conversation and you know and and it was great that you 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 know you you were up there with me and asked great questions and stuff. But I, I just, you know, sometimes I get excited when I'm in the middle of the conversation. And I just keep talking. So <laughs> yeah. I wanted to make sure that I didn't, but I think that you were okay up there, obviously. No, you were, it was fine. Okay. I know, I know when to, to throw in, you know, I know yeah. when to get in there. Well, I mean, you, it, it was <laughs> one of my favorite, one of my favorite exchanges uh, was generated by one of your wonderful, wonderful observations, and that was that you know that Michael is definitely not just a dummy killer. He's very clever. Yeah, because yeah, everyone that's what you know that's what usually people think because he doesn't talk, he doesn't do anything, he just walks. <laughs> he yeah. walks and murders. But you, you but no. w- were like, no, he got the sheet. He had to think about it and put the glasses on. He had to make holes for his yeah. eyes <laughs> right. in the and, sheet. And on, and on stage, when you brought that up to John, because, you know, John's the one who gets killed, uh, that you brought that up to John and, and, and PJ. They were like, wow, yeah, that's awesome. And we started get, getting off in a whole tangent on that. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. Oh, goodness. So, uh, anyway, and then, you know, you, you got to meet Rich, which was great. And Rich came up and we all had, we, and, and by the way, all three of us did say, Berwin. at the same time. Oh, my God, that. I was so excited when that happened. Yeah, I was like, the Berwin's happening. We're saying yeah, it. You're saying it. We are saying it on stage Ooh, with Sven Gulli. 
The three of us just said, Berwin. it was fantastic. <laughs> so, and then Rich stopped by. It was great. So overall, a fantastic weekend. And my thanks to Mike and Mia. We'll do it again next year. Um, and my thanks for letting them do the podcast, which and turned out great. It turned out, I got to say, Esmeralda, I don't know about you, mm-hmm. but it turned out a lot better than I thought it would. Like so much more successful than I thought. Yeah, it would. totally. So. I mean, just audience alone. Yeah. It was great. To have that on, was... we did not think that. So thank you to, you know, if you're listening and you were there, thank you so much for, for coming and uh, essentially supporting us. Yeah. So it's very, uh, it, we appreciate it a lot. Without question. It was great. It was oh, a and great... like people asked for pictures with Yeah. <laughs> they did, right? See? Which yeah. Is so I was just like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Getting pictures taken, all kinds of stuff. It it's was cool. It's always fun. It's always yeah. fun. Well, anyway, it was, it was a good time. We'll do it again next year. And, um, and we'll do another, you know, they were very pleased. Like Mike and me were like, yeah, yeah, there was a very, people were talking about how much fun it was to see you guys on stage with the podcast. Oh, so I guess, I guess, we, I guess, I guess we got some buzz going as we're all, we got a little positive <laughs> buzz going. Nice. So, all right. Uh, anyway, that's flashback weekend. It was a wonderful weekend and we'll do it all again uh, next year. It's usually the first weekend in August and now the new home uh, for the past couple of years now is the Hyatt Regency O'Hare and it, they did a great job. Those people and the facilities, so much better. Nothing against Crown, because Crown, um, the Crown Plaza was really great for the years mm-hmm. that we were there. And I love that place. But this was bigger, and uh, it was easier. It was easier to do what we do for running around for three days straight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, well, four, actually, because I was there on Thursday. So for four days straight running around, to have bigger and nicer facilities and to have a bigger staff uh, at the hotel made the world a difference. So, anyway. All right, we'll do it again. All right, are you ready for some scary facts from Are You Shitting Me? Yes. All right. Now, these are going to be fun because, you know, one of them... Oh, here's... This will be a nice little segue. See, this is why we're professionals, Esmeralda. This is why I, there was one time I had, a, I had a plaque and a sidewalk, and now it's leaning up, mm-hmm. up against my fridge in the kitchen. <laughs> uh, because I can segue. I can fucking segue. Yeah, one of the movies that you mentioned on stage at the podcast, mm-hmm. and again, episode fifty nine, which is out right now. It's a bonus episode, by the way, a bonus episode. Mm-hmm. Radiomisfits.com. Check it out now. It's the live uh, flashback uh, episode. We were talking about scary movies or movies that freak you out, and you mentioned Final Destination. Yes. And Final Destination movies, there are about twenty of them. The Final Destination movies are filled with freak accidents. Mm-hmm. Okay, are you ready for some actual freak accidents from the book? Are you shitting me? Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> I knew you'd freak out about this. So, <laughs> for, all right, prepare yourself. Take a little swig of whatever liquid you've got near, near you. And, uh, and here we go. You ready? Yes. In 2007, a man walking down the street in Oakland, California, was killed when he was struck in the head by a fire hydrant that had been uprooted by a car crashing into it, and it was propelled by water pressure, and uh, it killed him. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Now... I'm I'm wondering, was it just the fire hydrant? Because I just learned a few weeks ago that, and I don't know why I didn't think this before, but a fire hydrant isn't just that thing that's sticking out. It's a whole giant pipe under it. Right. It's connected. You know, yeah. It's yeah. connected to the water, whatever. I just, I didn't think there'd be a giant pipe. I don't know why. But <laughs> yeah. now I'm curious, like, did it cut off and just a fire hydrant? I don't know. A giant pipe and a fire hydrant just came my, at this man and murdered him. My guess is that, like, the, the cap, the, because the fire hydrant is the cap of that pipe. 
That's yes. like the, that's the cap. My guess is it's just the fire hydrant itself, the cap that blew off. You know, like when like a like a champagne bottle. It was the cork, mm-hmm. but a Oof. big, heavy, giant metal cork that could kill you. Yeah. Oh, that's rough. All right. You ready for the next one? Yeah. <laughs> In 2010, Jimmy Heseldin, the multimillionaire owner of the company that makes Segway personal transporters, so the guy who makes uh, Segways, died after transporting himself over a cliff on his Segway and plunging 80 feet. Wait, what? So he died on a Segway. Oh, what? As he wanted. Uh, <laughs> he yeah. Died by the, he was lived by the Segway, <laughs> died by the Segway. <laughs> uh, and he, was, he, fell, he fell the 80 feet and then he said... I think I broke my ass. Yeah. How did he not just jump off of it? It's not like you're I, tied in. No. Huh. Do you remember, Esmeralda, do you remember before the Segway came out with the, like, the build-up to it? When they were like, we are about to unveil the greatest invention in the history of humankind. Do you remember the... the no. Oh, my God, Esmeralda. Like, 1999. Doing that? It, oh, my... Oh, it was ridiculous. They were like, they had no name for it. They were like, wait till you see this. It's going to change the world. They literally were for weeks we're and like, weeks oh, and weeks. it's a scooter. And then they <laughs> unveil it, and it's this goddamn Segway thing. And I'm like, wait a minute. This is the... Like when they finally unveil, and I'm not kidding, months of you know being of of pumping it up and saying, "Oh, it's it's seriously the most important invention in the history of humankind," and it was the fucking Segway. Oh God! And that thing looks like you <laughs> look like a straight nerd. It's when you're on that damn thing. It is regarded. Like, there is ridiculous. no way to look cool. Yeah. So he, you know what? When he plunged to his death, he looked like a dork. <laughs> right? I'm just like, how did you not jump off, sir? Mm. Oh my god! And then and, and then after you know like <laughs> after he said I think I broke my ass. And then it was yeah. Okay, you ready for this one? Hmm. A spectator at a 1979 New York Jets football game died during a halftime model airplane exhibition when the pilot of a miniature flying mower lost control of his vehicle and crashed it into the audience. Wait, what is um, that? Wait, what is it? It's a the flying mower. I don't know. <laughs> what is that? I don't know. Why would that be anywhere near people? Wait. But why would you need a flying mower? I don't know. I, the thing that puzzles me, I mean, I can understand, you know, when you're doing, you know, an exhibition in front of people. Like, you know, the air and water show, there's always a chance that something is going to happen. Okay, but a flying mower? That's the only question I have about this whole thing. Did you? Is that red right? Cause... It says mower. M-O-W-E-R. It says a miniature flying mower. Lost control. Uh, a pilot of... Oh, I see. Oh, wait a minute. He lost a... Oh, he was... Was he in them? Was he in it? Lost control of his vehicle, which crashed into the audience. Oh, <laughs> oh but why? I don't know. All right, here's Why another is one. he in a mower? I don't know. God. It was at a Jets game. They had to have some excitement. Hey, hey wait a minute. Hold on a second. The oh. Jets, see, the Jets aren't a good football team. So I, yeah, they, they was, yeah, let's see. All right. Um, in uh, 1995, a female moose trampled a 71-year-old man to death on the campus of the University of Alaska in Anchorage. Witnesses said that students had been throwing snowballs and harassing the moose and her calf for a half an hour before the attack. Oh man! Okay, well that's that's not a freak accident. No, that's uh, 
Jagoffs. Motive. Uh, there's motive there. There is. But he didn't do it. The 71 year old man didn't do it. It was these Jagoff students who were throwing snowballs at it. And then the 71 year old oh. guy. 71 year old guy um. gets killed by an angry moose that he had nothing to do with. Dang, moose. Shit. Should have paid attention. He to can't distinguish. He's like, wait a minute. The seventy-one-year-old guy's not a jagoff. He's not the one throwing a snowball. <laughs> they killed the seventy. Killed the seventy-one-year-old guy. Oh. All right. How about this one? Two thousand thirteen, August in Panguch, Utah. A strong wind catapulted a trampoline more than one hundred and fifty feet through the air, killing a nine-year-old girl who had been sitting on it. Oh God. Yikes. Jesus. All right. Uh, by the way, I've yeah. uh, did, I looked into this flying mower? lawnmower. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it was a thing they were doing. It was a show of uh, essentially planes that looked like things that were oh, shaped. Oh, so it was shaped like a mower. Ways. So I see. shaped like a lawnmower. I see. And then yeah. Okay. It killed two people. Can you imagine? Oh. You just imagine like that's how you find like oh my god that's how, how you, die. you die you go to a, you, you go to a thing a hey we're gonna lawnmower hit we're gonna see some <laughs> flying planes and I got killed by a lawnmower <laughs> Jesus a flying lawnmower Oof. in 2012 here's a Chicago one a Chicago waterfowl caretaker drowned after being attacked by a swan in a pond authorities believe that the man got too close to the bird or its nesting area so the bird fucking killed it and he drowned wow. in Chicago. How old was this man? I don't know. Swans are the, birds can be mean, man. You ever been you ever I been attacked? You ever been attacked by a goddamn goose like downtown or anywhere like in Grant Park or anything uh, like they've that? They've chased me. Yeah, I've yeah. been chased by them, but like to be like killed. He by was one. murdered by a swan. Just one. Yeah. Well, by the way, just that's really swan. that's really weird, Esmeralda, because I have you seen Hot Fuzz, the movie I saw last night? The the uh, Ed- yes. Edgar Wright. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you remember when one of their duties when he first gets there to the small town as a cop is to find the swan, the missing swan. Remember the swans running around in the mm-hmm. in town? Yeah. Well, that just reminds me. I just saw a movie about being attacked by a swan, and they get attacked by a swan in that movie. <laughs> so I I'm think just that's like, what? How do you get murdered by one? They're so he was squishy. Here in Chicago, he got murdered by a swan. You maybe know, he mean, maybe he called it an ugly duckling, and the swan got pissed. Oh, boy. Didn't want to go back to its old <laughs> life. Hey, that's behind me now. I'm good looking now. So, all right. Are we ready for a joke from my dad? Yes. Right, <laughs> it's the best part of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. Here we go. With your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. What I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. Oh, yes! So, Here we go! My dad uh, likes to stop by. Uh, every Tuesday uh, to kick off your week. Well, it's Tuesday. Your week has already been kicked off. But anyway, he tells you a joke. Um, I wonder if it's a, it's got a bird in it. We'll have to. Uh-oh. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and Hi, Carrie. I love Nick's I know, show. Carrie, you got to get out of the Hi, way. I'm Hi, Carrie I know, Russell, Carrie, and I, know. I love oh, okay. Nick's show. My dad just pushed her out of the way. Okay. Oh, All right. Good. We ready? Dad, you ready for a joke? Okay, here we go. That was joking. Oh, jokey. no, that wasn't joking. Oh, I no, the... not yet. Hold on, hold on. I'm sorry, Dad. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, it was a little little premature, like the guy from Halloween. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Um, okay, here we go. I had surgery to remove a couple fingers on my hand. 
I asked after the surgeon if I could s still use my hand. He said, sure, he said, but I wouldn't count on it. Oh, boy. That was jokey, jokey, jokey yeah. time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad told a joke. Uh huh. He, he didn't tell a joke. He did. He wouldn't count. <laughs> I wouldn't count on it. But uh, all right, Dad. See you later. There you go. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell. Yeah, and Carrie. I oh, love I Nick's show. All right. God damn it, Nick. Okay. Uh. <laughs> so yeah. So wait. Now, where? When did you get it? Uh, I got attacked by a goose, uh, in Grant Park. That was the one that I, that's the time I got attacked. Um, there is a pond. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm getting yeah. choked up. Now, okay. All right. <laughs> there is a pond by my parents' house behind a YMCA. And I decided to go over there and because I saw like birds and ducks and stuff. So I went and I brought bread and I gave them the bread. And then when I was out of bread, they oh. were not happy. Oh, man. So. They started to, like, come at me, and I'm like, no, and I just, like, ran away from them as they started, like, wow. where's more bread? <laughs> um, oddly, you know where there are a lot of um, geese and stuff that hang out? Mm. That giant lawn uh, that's right between the Kennedy and the Hyatt Regency. You know when you're walking from the blue line, you know that oh. huge... <laughs> That geese hang out there, and I had a friend of mine get, you know, we were at Beetlefest or something, or something like mm -hmm. that, and we ended up like, they ended up like fucking around and playing football on that lawn by the hotel, mm -hmm. and the geese showed up, and my friend almost got murdered by a goose. They oh, will God. kill you. So those are, I think they're even, I think they're yeah, even more. clearly. I think the Rosemont geese are even more badass than Joliet geese. I'm not sure. I would say, I mean, they're by that highway. Yeah, there so must they be. have to, like, survive a highway. <laughs> you know? Because you know they go onto that highway, and they're just like, whatever. Come at me. Like, they don't care. Yeah, you got a truck. I don't care. Look at my beak. Oh, man. Uh, all right. Well, I'm glad you survived. Oh, hey, thank you. You too. Guess, guess who's on the show Friday? Who? Jen Bosworth Ramirez. Nice. Old, yes, our old friend Jen Bosworth is going to be joining us. Jen Bosworth Ramirez. She is an actor, a writer. She's out in L.A. now. She was a fill-in host on WGN many, many times. You worked with her several, several mm -hmm. times. Oh, uh, yeah. a, a great guest and an old friend, and uh, she used to work for Nicolas Cage. And in addition, mm -hmm. to, uh, in addition to being a really talented, very funny woman, she has great Nick Cage stories. So we're going to catch up with Jen Bosworth Ramirez on the next episode. So there yeah. you go. I to this, anytime I see Nicolas Cage, because she told that deli thing, What's a deli? I cannot. Hey, Jen. Jen. Hey, every time. What's a deli, Jen? What, what's a deli? It's like, what? <laughs> I'll He's have a, a grown man does not know what a deli is. I will. Uh, and remember, uh, on Saturday when PJ was on stage with us, she told the Nick Cage shrunken head story. Oh, um, right. The, yeah. Trying to one-up people. <laughs> yeah. So I will tell, I will tell her... Uh, I will tell her that story. She'll get a kick out of it. So that's coming up on Friday. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, if you, what the hell happened? I slammed. Did you, are you good? I have a water bottle, and I missed. I'm in the dark right now. Oh. I forgot to turn the light on. I mean, oh, it's no. usually never very light. But I slammed the, my water bottle on the desk. Oh, no. Rather than putting it in the designated slot that I have made for it. Because you can't <laughs> see. All right. Wow. Well, yeah. See, this is the, this also, is the, I just. This is the glass. 
This is the glamour of working. This is the glamour of working on the Nick D podcast. You're in a closet in the dark and you can't put your drink down. That's that's how glamorous it is. Uh, and it yes. is the Nick D podcast. We thank you for being a part of it. Again, we want to hear from you. Please leave us a million voicemails and a million emails. Voicemail seven seven three four one seven six nine four eight. Email nickdpodcast at gmail.com. My thanks to Jason Skaggs for all the music. My thanks to Ed for doing a great job in turnaround getting these episodes out and running. He's the guy who runs the place. Uh, the radiomisfits.com. Rate and review us on every platform. Advertise with us. Be a sponsor. Contact sales at radiomisfits.com. And we will see you next time on the uh, Nick D podcast, Radio Mis- Misfits Podcast Network. See you next time. The wind is right on-